We're glad to see you this morning and thankful to have you in this service. Uh, tonight at 5 o'clock is the Christmas Eve service. It's very special. If you've never been to a Christmas Eve service at Lewis Memorial Church, we want you to come back tonight. We have all the kids come up on the platform. Uh, we'll be reading the Christmas story together. We have a video just for the kids uh, this evening. We have candy canes to give them. Some of them will have candles uh, and we'll have a candlelit portion of the service, and there's lots of beautiful music, and it's a wonderful time to be able to celebrate together as family. It's at five o'clock. It's not our usual six. It's at five o'clock this evening, so plan to make your way back. I'll just encourage you. You see the crowd this morning? It'll be much larger than this tonight, and so you'll want to come back this evening, and you'll want to be a part of that service, and I want to say to all the boys and girls in the room, raise your hands, all the kids in the room, just raise your hand. Let me see all of you. I am so glad that all of you are upstairs here with me. We love you being downstairs too, and y'all have so much fun down there and learn so many things down there, but I'm glad to have you upstairs. You can help me help your mom and your dad and your grandparents behave in church. If they start to misbehave, just poke them on the side a little bit. Just remind them, we're in church this morning. Mama, Daddy, y'all behave yourselves. We learn to behave downstairs better than y'all behave upstairs. And boys and girls, we are so glad to have you upstairs. Y'all make the service special. And moms and dads, don't worry so much about it. They make a little bit of noise. That's okay. We'd rather have the noise and have the kids than have no noise and no kids. And so, boys and girls, we're glad you're upstairs. In just a few minutes, boys and girls, I'm going to show you a picture. So you're going to want to watch very, very carefully. I'm not going to talk a long time. You say, preacher, we're downstairs. We know how long you talk. <laughs> I'm not going to talk a real long time, but I'm going to try to talk to you, boys and girls, about the birth of Jesus Christ, and I hope that you'll just sort of let your parents tune in with us and just allow them to sort of be inside with the story as we talk about it, okay? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for our boys and girls that are upstairs uh, this morning. We pray, Lord, for this, this evening at 5 that They'll come back. They'll bring their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents, and we'll have a great celebration on Christmas Eve about your birth. Lord Jesus, we celebrate you today. This is your birthday we celebrate. Lord, it would be awful if we celebrated your birthday and nobody came to celebrate. Lord, look how many people there are across this room. How many are here to celebrate your birth? And tonight, how many will be back to celebrate your birthday? Lord, we want you to know we love you. And we thank you from coming, for coming from, uh, from heaven to earth because you loved us. Now, Lord, in these next few minutes, I pray that you'll help us as we talk about the Christmas story. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Boys and girls, y'all sit up real straight and listen to me. I'm going to tell you a story, okay? This is about the birth of Jesus Christ in the city of Bethlehem. I can't tell you the whole story. It will take me too long to do that this morning. But Mary and Joseph had to make a long trip from Nazareth to the city of Bethlehem. 
Mary was pregnant with this divine child. This was a supernatural child that was growing within her. And so when they got to Bethlehem, they started looking for a place where they could stay. Everybody had to go to their hometown. You know how you live in Huntington or Barbersville or down in Westmoreland or Chesapeake or Proctorville? They had to go to their hometown. And in their hometown, they had to register. Caesar Augustus required them to do that. So there's people traveling everywhere. And when they get to Bethlehem, because there are so many people traveling, they can't find a place to stay. Nobody was necessarily trying to be mean to them. It was just that every guest room and every inn was all filled up and there were no rooms left. And so the only place they could go was to a place where they kept the animals. Now, some people say that was a cave. One of the early church fathers, one of those who lived within 100 to 200 years of Jesus' birth, one of those said it was a cave where Jesus was born. That was the place where the animals were kept. Uh, the others say about uh, the place where Jesus was born was more like a house, and the front part of the house was a place where they brought the animals in. You know, you bring your animals in at night and keep them safe at night. And then the family would go to the back of the house, up on the next floor, to the back of the house. And that's where the living room was. That's where they could eat together. That's where they would have beds to be able to sleep. And it's probably that second one where the Christ child was born in the front of that house where the animals were brought in. But what we do know for certain, boys and girls, is that Jesus, when he was born, was laid in a what? Kids? He was, he was laid in a what? He was laid in a manger. Do you know what a manger is? A manger is a feeding trough. It's where you put the food for the animals. And they come over and they hang their heads over the edge and they get the grain or they get the hay or they get whatever is placed in that feeding trough. Now that feeding trough could have been made out of wood. A lot of times in Christmas stories, they put the manger scene and it looks like something made out of wood and it's very pretty and it may have been that. But do you know the boys and girls that in the day in which Jesus was born, it was more common for a manger to be made out of rock. It could even have a big stone, maybe the side of a hillside that was all stone and they would cut back into the stone and they would carve out an area where they could put the food. And actually, are you ready for the picture? Kids, are you ready for the picture? How many of you are ready for the picture? Raise your hand if you're ready for the picture. Moms and dads, put your hands down. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> Kids, hold your hands up real high if you're ready for the picture. I want to show you a picture of what a manger may have looked like. The one you're going to see is bigger than the one where they would have laid Jesus. But you can see how they're made out of rock. Look at this picture right here. You see that? One big rock, and they hewn the inside out. They carve the inside out so that they are able to put food down in there. And then the animals come, and they eat out of that manger. That was where Jesus was laid. A place like that was where Jesus was laid. It probably had hay in it. Jesus was wrapped in strips of cloth so that he was protected from any of the hay sticking him or hurting him in any way. And he laid there in that manger. Listen to what Luke chapter 2, 
Verse 7 says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, boys and girls, I want you to think with me about this for a moment. Why would Jesus, who is the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords, why would Jesus want to be born in a manger? Well, think about this with me for a moment. Do you know the writer of this gospel we're reading from is a man named Luke? Can y'all say Luke with me? Luke. Come on, let's say it together. Luke. He is the writer of this gospel. And he's writing it to a man by the name of Theophilus. Ooh, that's a hard one. I don't even think your moms and dads can get that one. Come on, boys and girls, let's say it together. Theophilus. Come on, one more time. Theophilus. He was writing to a man named Theophilus. And did you know that Theophilus was an operative? He was an official in the Roman government. So Theophilus was a very important man, but you know also about him? He was a believer in Jesus Christ. He had trusted Jesus Christ as his own Savior. So here's the great thing. Theophilus would have known what it was like for a king to be born. I mean, after all, who was it that required them to leave their, their land of Nazareth, their city of Nazareth, and go to Bethlehem? It was a man by the name of Caesar Augustus. I mean, he's the ruler over all of Rome. And Theophilus would have known about Caesar. There were a number of Caesars. Caesar is like a title. Caesar Augustus. Augustus is his name. Caesar is his title. It's like saying president in the president's name. He would have known, Theophilus would have known what it was like for a child to be born to somebody so important as Caesar. As a matter of fact, if you were a child born or son born to Caesar, you were called a son of a god. The people looked at Caesar, and they thought about Caesar as if Caesar was God. He wasn't. But they looked at Caesar and thought about Caesar as if Caesar was God. They even uh, would worship the Caesars. They would build temples to the Caesars. People would come, and they would uh, do homage. That means to worship, to bow down to the Caesars. They believed when the Caesars died that they joined this great pantheon of gods in the sky. Now, boys and girls, none of that's true. But that's what they believed. That's what they thought. And so, if Caesar were to have a son born in his house, how do you think he would have come into the world? He would have been in some really nice places, don't you think? He would have been in a palace. He might have been wrapped not in just strips of cloth. He might have been wrapped in purple and silk and all the fancy stuff. He would have had people attending everything around, everybody taking care of everything. Because after all, this is born to Caesar, a son of a God. And as he's reading this story, boys and girls, as he's reading this letter that Luke writes to him, he hears the story about Jesus and that the Son of God didn't come in a fancy place 
with a lot of attendants around to help in a palace somewhere. He came and he was laid in a what, kids? He was laid in a manger. Have you ever thought, why would God send his son? Not like Caesar and his son. Why would God send his son to be born into such circumstances and to be placed in such a lowly, lowly place? Have you ever thought about that? Well, boys and girls, let me tell you why God did that. God sent his son. Y'all with me? Come on, kids, raise your hand if you're with me, if you're still with me. Moms and dads, poke your mom and dad next to you. Wake them up. Wake them up. Okay, are are you with me, kids? Do you know why God sent his son to such a lowly place, born out where the animals are kept and laid in a manger where they feed the animals? Because God wanted you to know that nobody is beyond the reach of his incredible love. You don't just have to be important and noble and know somebody and live in a palace for God to love you. You can be born in the most humble of circumstances, in the most humble of surroundings, You might not have anything, or you might have everything, but the fact is, God loves you just the same. There is no difference. God allowed his son to be born in these humble circumstances. Do you know that the Bible not only says he was born in humble circumstances, do you all know that the Bible says that he became a humble servant? Do you remember what it says, boys and girls? It says that he didn't come to be served, he came to serve. (gasps) Do you think Caesar's son would have been willing to serve somebody else? No way. Do you know who I am? I'm the son of a God. I don't have to serve anybody. People serve me. But that's not the way God sent his son. God sent his son into the most humble of surroundings so that everybody would know that God loves each one of us. And what you have or you don't have doesn't make any difference. And God sent his son to serve others. You know one of my favorite verses, boys and girls? It's the verse that says that Jesus went about doing good. You look at the story of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke or Mark or Matthew or John, and you know what you see Jesus doing? He's going about doing good to others. He's serving others. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He could have said, you're going to serve me. I'm not going to serve you. You're going to serve me. But he humbled himself to become a servant. The boys and girls, the Bible tells us one of the things about about Jesus being humble. He's not only humble in where he was born and humble in how he lived his life, he was humble even in how he died. Philippians chapter 2 says that he humbled himself and became obedient. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, could have called a myriad of angels to come and deliver him, but he allowed them to nail him to that tree, and he took on himself the penalty of our sins so that he could then, after his resurrection, offer to you and to me the forgiveness of sins, the living Savior, offer to you and to me the, the, uh, uh, the forgiveness of our sins. Can you imagine the God of heaven who made everything that there is, sees us who are little specks on an earth, and he says, I love them to the lowest amongst them. I love every one of them so that I'm coming to serve them. I'm even going to die in their place. I'm going to pay a penalty they could never pay so that I could give to them the forgiveness of their sins and I could make them my children. Hey, boys and girls, how many of you are still with me? Put your hands in your ear. Still with me? Still got your, got your moms and dads? Put your hands down. Your hands are still in the air. All right, boys and girls, you're still with me? Can you believe how much God loves you? That's how much God loves you, boys and girls. That's how much God loves you. He sent his son from heaven to be born in the most humble of circumstances, to live the humble life of a servant, to die the humility of a death so that we didn't have to pay a penalty for our sins if we receive him as our Savior. Let, let me finish by telling you something. Are you all with me? Say yay if you're with me. Yay. Are you still with me? All the kids. There's not enough kids over here. So some of you big kids, you all still with me? So let me tell you a little story. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm almost done. One of the privileges of being a preacher, being a pastor, is I get to see a lot of new babies. In over 41 years, I've been able to go and see lots of new babies that have come into the world. Matter of fact, I probably saw some of you right after you were born, a day or two after you were born. And you know one of the privileges that are periodically a parent, your mom and dad may let me have, they'll say, preacher, would you like to hold, and they name their son or their daughter's name, preacher, would you like to hold him or her in your arms? And I always say yes. I'm always scared, moms and dads. I mean, that baby just sort of flops around like this. But you know what? Sometimes mom or dad will say, Preacher, would you like to hold a baby? And I want to tell you, there's nothing as beautiful as a brand new baby. The most beautiful of all the creation of God are those innocent little beautiful babies. As much as I love to hold those babies, can I tell you something? There are some babies that I love to hold even more when they were born. My two children, when they were very little, just born into this world, I was the first one next to their mama. I was the first one who got to hold my two children. And I didn't get to be the first one to hold my grandkids, but I want to tell you, boys and girls, I got to hold my grandkids in my arms. There is nothing more special than being able to hold a new baby in your arms. But listen to me, kids. Jesus didn't come so that you could hold him in your arms. 
Jesus came so he could hold you in his arms. Did you hear that? Jesus didn't come so that you could hold him in your arms and just have a birthday party. Jesus came so that he could hold you in his arms and make you his children forever. Do you remember what Jesus said to the children when they were telling the kids, get away, get away, get away, move away, move away, don't bother Jesus, he's too important. And Jesus said, stop it. I got your attention now, don't I? He said, stop it. He said, let, moms and dad, what did he say? Let the children come to me. You know why? Because Jesus wants to hold you in his arms. He wants to be your savior. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your heavenly father. He wants you to know that you can come to him at any moment of any day in your life and know that he will embrace you and he will hold you in his arms. Listen, listen to how it says it. This is Jesus. See the words in red? Can y'all see all the boys and girls? Can y'all see it? See in red? Your moms and dads can't see this far. They're too blind. (laughs) Boys and girls, can you see it all? All these words, these are the words of Jesus. Now listen to what Jesus said. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know what he's saying? I want to hold you in my arms. I left heaven, born into the most humble of circumstances, to live a life of humility. To die the death, the most humiliating death a person could possibly die so that you could be held in my arms forever. And the only way that can happen, boys and girls, is for you to come to Jesus. Don't let anybody else push you away. Don't let them say, don't don't, don't bother Jesus. Don't bother Jesus. No, 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 no. You come to Jesus. Just keep coming to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Keep coming to Jesus. And let him put his arms around you, and he will hold you. As a matter of fact, you know how he says it? He says it a little different than that. He says that we are in, he is in the Father. We are in Jesus' hand. He is in the Father's hand. You get that? We, as his children, are in the hand of Jesus. Jesus is in the Father's hand. And he says, nobody can take them out of my hand. I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. When you come to Jesus and Jesus takes you up in his arms and you receive him as your savior, he's telling you that he'll never, ever let go of you. You will forever be his child. That's the Christmas story, boys and girls. That's why Jesus came. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to hold you. Not that you have to hold him. He wants to hold you. He wants you to be his child, his forever child. He wants to serve you today.